In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In these days, uh, as we approach uh, Christmas, we are all together filled with uh, expectation, deep expectation. What is expectation? Or what is anticipation? What is it exactly? As we are about to hit Christmas, expectation, anticipation is a kind of a combination of uh, deep desire and excitement about something apparently very new. You're excited, you desire it, even though we know exactly what's going to happen every Christmas. Nevertheless, despite the fact we've celebrated more or less the same Christmas every year, it always has something new about it. And of course this year it's somewhat new again because of uh, the pandemic. Uh, We had it last year, now we have it again. We were expecting to go through it in a more normal sense, but in God's providence, He offered us something new. And uh, we have to approach this with a great sense of uh, newness and eagerness, and I would say a kind of uh, wonder during this time of Christmas. We should never allow ourselves to feel blasé or inured or even lose a sense of wonder as we walk around the streets and we see the, the lights that light up the street and the beauty of the Christmas tree. Those are all things that are very proper to this time. And it, it's because Advent and Christmas always has this kind of sparkle in the air, almost a kind of sense of magic, if only just by the lights and the cool, brisk air. It's an excitement and a sense of impending desire that is very similar to the feeling that you get when you pack your bags for a big trip that you've been preparing for a long time. When you pack for a trip, you make sure that everything is in place. You know, you get all the small versions of everything. You get a small version of toothpaste, small version of shampoo, small version of shaving cream, small version of everything. You know, so it all fits and it gets by the security. You got to get small versions. You got to get, you're not going to go with a big bottle of shampoo like this, right? You have to go with small versions. And, uh, you got to get your clothing all in the right place. And just the fact of packing your bags, bringing only the indispensable, brings with it a certain excitement. It's the act of preparing that has a deep element of surprise, a deep element of uh, desire and expectation. 
It almost feels better than actually going on the trip itself. But I know it's going to be a good Christmas, and it's going to be a good trip in that sense. You know, I heard a story some years ago of a, of a Spanish priest who was working in a parish in a town in, Spa- in Spain, in a city in Spain, and he was in the parish, and, it was, and he decided to go out for a walk to do some shopping, and it was Saturday night, and uh, he was walking in the street, and all of a sudden he saw all these hordes of people passing by him, and they're all dressed with these red, uh, uh, these red scarves and hats, and he recognized that they were, that they were sort of fans of the local football team. And, uh, but they were all going that way behind him, and they were excited, and they were singing, and, and, uh, and so he stopped one of the guys, and he said, uh, hey, what time is the, is the game at? He said, well, it's at 8 o'clock tonight, Father. And it was only 5 o'clock right that time, but it was at the, the game was at 8 o'clock p.m. And he said, you know, why do you have to go to the game so early? It's only 5 o'clock. you got still several hours before the game. And the fellow said, Father, Father, we have to warm up the field. Right? We have to warm it up. And so for us to warm up the field, we have Advent. Advent is a way for us to warm up our soul, prepare our soul for the great game, the great battle, the great football game that is Christmas, you could say. And uh, in fact, what does the term Advent actually mean? The term Advent, we know, was used in ancient uh, times by ancient historical uh, historians to describe the arrival to a city of the emperor. When he arrived, it was the advent of the emperor. And he arrived usually after an important military campaign of some kind. And so for him to arrive, the entire city was preparing to listen to his message or whatever he he declared. And he would usually arrive in great triumph and pomp. And so the... This was a, well, it was a pagan word, but the Christians understood also that that word could be applied to the coming of Jesus, right? And because, so the church now is also preparing for this advent, this appearance, this coming, not of an emperor like the Roman emperors, but ultimately the most important arrival of all, which is God who has become a little child. Right? Not an emperor, well, he's a king, he's king of kings, but, but he's become a little child. And it's a much more uh, important arrival than those famous kings. The Son of God at Christmas. And it's very different from the powerful arrival of those kings. It's in the humility of a child lying there in a manger. And we know that the voice of John the Baptist in particular resounds during this time in the liturgical season through St. Matthew's account with a strong message of personal conversion. That is what Advent is all about, personal conversion. And it's really, that personal conversion is really the most effective way to prepare for the arrival of the Messiah. So we can ask ourselves, where must I personally convert during Advent? Or in what must I convert? Maybe I have to pay more attention to others. 
maybe more care in my personal prayer. Maybe I've been too distracted and too often on my phone, too dissipated. Maybe, maybe I could, I could try to be less stressed about things. Or ask the Lord for more peace. Or more attentive in our, my capacity to listen to others. Or more confidence in God's divine plan. Maybe I, I, I accept God's plan, but maybe there's not enough confidence. These are all things that we can do during Lent. And we have to have confidence now during this COVID time. You have to have confidence. Even though things happen that, that we don't always like. It's a bit like what happened to Mary and Joseph. They, they had difficulties to bring the child to, to Bethlehem. There were all kinds of difficulties. Lots of doors closed in their face. In, in a very more, most important time in history. But I don't see, I don't think uh, Joseph was complaining or, or Mary. You know, they probably arrived at a, a little place uh, on the way. Joseph was trying to get like a, like a nice five-star suite for Mary. And all he got was a humdrum little bed and breakfast. You know? And Mary was saying, this is wonderful. This place is just amazing, Joseph. I love it. And Joseph was going, oh, I don't know if it's amazing. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a leaky faucet and a musty place. But Mary was happy because she was abandoned to divine providence. And the way we see that, that she was indeed abandoned to divine providence, is this beautiful passage that we had yesterday. Today we have the account of the birth of John the Baptist, but, but yesterday, John, uh, December 22nd, we have this beautiful hymn of the Magnificat. Right? This happened right after the encounter of Mary with Elizabeth, where the, the, two, the two children in their wombs are kind of coming together, and John leaps with joy inside the womb of his own mother, Kind of like David leapt with uh, and danced for joy in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, now John the Baptist is leaping for joy in front of Mary because he knows. Well, he somehow figures out that uh, Jesus, who for whom he is the precursor, uh, is in that womb. And so after that, there's this most beautiful hymn that I want to read now, and that we can draw out of. It's the Magnificat. Magnificat, it's a beautiful hymn by Our Lady that has been used throughout the centuries, sung throughout the centuries. Bach has a version. I mean, uh, and, and we priests, we say it every day in the afternoon prayer, in the liturgy of the hours, you know, the breviary. And so we have to say it every day, and I invite you too, maybe after this meditation, to, to read it. It's in uh, chapter 1 of St. Luke, verse 46. Mary said... My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty done, the Almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. 
He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to to the help of his servant Israel for he remembered his promise of mercy. The promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and to his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I mean, there, there's, of course, you know, so many things we could say about this beautiful hymn, which is of such singular beauty. And it also, of course, evokes passages from the Old Testament, like when Hannah was, uh, gave birth to Samuel in the book of Samuel. And, but there's passages from the, from the Psalms in there as well that suggest the Psalms, the, the protection of God. But you could say, you could divide it into three parts. First, Mary glorifies God for making her the mother of the Savior. In other words, she's giving thanks for this great gift, which is why future generations will call her blessed. I don't know how anybody can bypass this. She says, from this day on, all generations will call me blessed. Like, of course, we say, blessed are you among women. We say that. But I don't know how people can just pass by that and say, no, I'm not going to call you blessed. I'm not going to venerate you. So it talks about that. And then she shows that the incarnation is the mysterious expression of God's power and holiness and mercy. And then the second part, or the second aspect, is that she teaches us that the Lord always has preference for the little ones, for the humble, you could say, for the lowly. And he resists the proud. He stands back from the proud. He's those who are egotistical or vain. It's like God. It doesn't. It doesn't fit. Well, it doesn't fit. It's like it doesn't work. So we ask the Lord now to to clean us away from any pride. In some ways, where we end up thinking that we're somehow better or something. God is attracted like a magnet to the humble. And then the third thing, of course, is she proclaims that God, in keeping with his promise, has always taken care of the chosen people. And she was, of course, a member of the chosen people, the people of Israel. And, and now does them honor by, honor of all, by becoming a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. And so Mary's soul just overflows in the Magnificat. And uh, and the two things we draw out of ultimately are her deep sense of humility for having been chosen by God, but also, of course, a deep sense of gratitude. Thanksgiving and gratitude for God acting in her. And I would say, during this time of Christmas, of course, we have to foster humility. Of course, always. I mean, all our life we have to do that. And recently, uh, a couple of days ago or yesterday, the Pope has underlined the importance of humility. He said, without humility, we don't go anywhere. We do not advance. He spoke to the members of the, of the Roman Curia. And he was very strong in insisting on the importance of uh, humility. We have to ask for that. But of course, a dimension that we really want to foster is the dimension of gratitude. We need gratitude always. 
And uh, just as he emphasized uh, uh, humility to the Roman Curia, he spoke about uh, Bishop Alvaro, Blessed Alvaro, um, as having gratitude as one of his deepest uh, dispositions. He says, this was at the beatification of Blessed Alvaro, he said, I like to recall the aspiration of the servant of God that what he would often repeat, especially for personal celebrations and anniversaries. Thank you, forgive me, help me more. Thank you, forgive me, help me more. These words bring us closer to the reality of his interior life and his relationship with the Lord. And can also help to give a new impulse to our Christian life. And so, Pope Francis has always loved this dimension of gratitude, certainly in somebody like Blessed Alvaro. That is, an attitude of never really feeling like we're a victim. Or that, that one has suffered so much, or complained about suffering, or gone without. And we see we're in a society now that is so sensitive and full of little micro, we call them microaggressions apparently, or trigger warnings and, uh, and uh, you know, lest somebody in their fragility feel harmed or hurt in some way. And so many people have forgotten the nature of, uh, you know, of, of Thanksgiving. How, so how can, we, how can we learn it? How can we learn a greater spirit of gratitude and Thanksgiving in our life? Well, we can begin by thanking God in a personal dialogue, for example, for whatever you are grateful for today. Like just think today, in the last few hours since you woke up, what are you thankful for? Uh, I mean, to be, to be grateful, you have to have an awareness. You can't just say, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, but for what? You have to have an awareness. So maybe we could just revisit the, the times in the past, let's say the last 24 hours, when you were not being the best version of yourself. Talk to God about these situations and what you learned from them. And one of the real treasures of having a regular time of prayer is we can offer an increased awareness of who we are, what we are, and what is happening around us. And when we realize what's happening around us, we, we become souls of thanksgiving. Because awareness, to be aware, heightens our ability to experience life. Heightens our ability to experience life. And it actually increases our capacity for life when we are aware. And when we're aware, we will be filled always with thanksgiving. Hmm? Mindfulness does this when you're mindful of, of what's happening. We concentrate on what we are. And St. Josuia used to often invite us to say, Gracias tibi Deus, gracias tibi. Yeah. Thanks be to God, you know, thanks be to you. We can ask, what percentage of your daily activity are you actually conscious of? Because we do things by rote, you know, we, you know, we just do things, we drive to work, we take the certain turn, we go here, you know, we don't, like, we can listen to uh, the radio, we're, you, know, you know, we're not fully, always fully present, right? Uh, am I really present in those turns that I make, 
in walking up the stairs. You know, one good thing to do is walk up the stairs slowly, slowly, right? And you can make, St. Louis Maria should say, if I could say an act of love of God for every time I go up a stair, like one stair, I got a lack of love, another stair, an act of love, right? When you do a time of prayer, when you say the rosary, when you enter the oratory, well, I have the chance to enter the oratory very here. I could get used to that. I have the our blessed Lord here, right here. I know you don't necessarily have that at home, but maybe if you look out the window and you say, okay, where is the the closest blessed sacrament? And then you can get into the habit of looking that way. Um, you know, people often eat and drink, and bathe. And do a lot of things kind of unconsciously, or not really maybe always focused. And nobody likes to start the, the day on the wrong foot, because then we might indeed stumble. And you know, Mary ran with haste, we are told, to see St. Elizabeth. After she became uh, so convinced of her mission, after the Annunciation, she said, let it be done unto me according to thy word. She said, basically, Amen. And she took off. And she went like lightning. She went with speed into the hill country of Judea. And this was not an easy task. This was not like going on to the subway and, and, and you know going up to Kipling and that's it. No, there were dangers. But she was so convinced. She, she was not afraid. Because she understood that God had a plan for her, had a vocation, had a, had a mission for her. And of course when she arrived, she said that beautiful Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. So it would be good that during this holiday season, we do a lot of that. Like increase the level, the cases of Thanksgiving. You know, we're talking about one more, X more cases of COVID, X more cases. Of, well, let's increase the the graph in our thanksgivings, our acts of thanksgiving. And we have, to, we have to therefore be aware of the things that trigger us into having bad moods. And, you know, I think there are more triggers to bad moods than bad moods themselves. Bad moods themselves, right? Um, there are many, many levels of bad mood. Um, maybe there's an angry aspect, maybe... Uh, a bad mood that's more less angry and more uh, tired or more stressed. Mm-hmm. That sometimes we go into the bad mood that is more victim oriented. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's one bad mood that is just like we're just stewing. We're stewing because something didn't go our way. Or the other one that is, I don't want to do anything. I'm just ah, don't want to do anything. There are all kinds of nuances in the kind of funk that we can get into. But we must remember, those are always something that we choose to be in. We choose that. And, and therefore, a really good hack that you, can, you and I can develop to fine-tune those daily uh, habitual exercises, or you could say those push-ups, is, you know, it's, it's just... Deciding to be more grateful. And um, if we do that, it helps 
for bad moods even from, from them even showing up which is the best way to avoid them so let us ask our blessed mother eh, for the spirit of gratitude she has taught us this in the Magnificat Magnificat anima mea dominum et exultavet spiritus meo en Deo salvatore meo my soul magnifies the Lord my, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord my spirit rejoices in God my Savior and if we do that well, this sense of excitement for the coming of Christmas will be, will be a way for us to, like to say, heat up the field. And then, no, the game will definitely be won. We ask you, our Blessed Mother, we ask you to help us, to intercede for us, and to intercede for the whole family, especially that those around you will notice, they will notice that you have a greater spirit of gratitude. They'll notice, they'll say, hey, what... What's, what's with you these days? You've, you've been cheerful. You've been thankful. Thank you. Thank you for being thankful. You know, And our Blessed Mother will help us along the way. God bless you and Merry Christmas. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Amen.